0: The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. I'm so glad that we're able to come back and worship with you today. Y'all have done a lot of good things. The sanctuary looks beautiful and you got a smile on your face and looks good there's some changes in me I'm now wearing hearing aids I can hear myself which is not good (laughs) I can hear all the things that Karen has been trying to tell me these five and a half years we've been married I also lost my contact in the night Friday night or Saturday morning and so if I lose my glasses would somebody please help me find them because I'll need them when I read some scripture in a moment. Getting old is not for sissies, is it? Well, some of you know what I'm talking about. When Brother Danny called me Wednesday and asked if I could come and preach today, your interim pastor is at the state convention, I understand, and I was so grateful. Thursday morning, Karen and I were in bed and we were talking about this service being close to Thanksgiving. We ought to focus on Thanksgiving. And so I did. We did. We have talked about some scripture. In fact, one of those that I quoted to her is First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, which says, In everything give thanks, or in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Later that day, I have two son-in-law's who are pastors, Paul Swearingen, almost every day writes a devotional on his facebook page and he used that very scripture to share some thoughts about giving god thanks in everything i want to read what he read it's a little bit long but i think it will help us understand what god's word has to say about giving thanks in everything this is what he says everything In everything, give thanks. That word all or everything in this verse is more than a little all. All may be the biggest little word in the entire Bible. It covers every situation, every circumstance, every big and small moment in our lives. So let's be honest. Most of us can be thankful for a multitude of things, but much of the time. But in all things, if we're honest, that's a pretty tall order. What about when you experience a serious illness? How about the time you experience the pain of defeat? What about a loved one who leaves this world too soon and you can't see past the tears? What about when you're discouraged? Disillusioned or disbelieving? When you're overwhelmed, overextended, overstressed? When the need mounts and the waste seems unclear? How about when people are cruel and life is unfair? When the car breaks down, the air conditioner goes out, and two tires go flat? What about those times when you feel attacked? When the enemy is on your heels? when you've just about had enough. These circumstances and more are the all things that can seem impossible to be thankful for. But God's Word never changes to fit our circumstances. Even when the tragedies, losses, and irritations come our way, His truth rises above our circumstance so that we can rise also above the circumstances. God knows that through difficulty we gain strength, through suffering we learn perseverance, and in times of hardship we discover that true joy is not based on how we feel, and that is not dependent on our circumstances. We discover that God's ways are bigger, His thoughts are higher, and that He is, without doubt, holding us in His hands, sustaining us. So give thanks in all things, for God is building greatness in you. He is working out things for your good and His glory. He's always near. He always listens. He sees all. He knows all. He can do all. You will discover that God uses gratitude to turn what you have into enough. He uses gratitude... To turn denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. He can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. So give thanks in all things, because it's God's will. And God's perfect will is always perfect and good. Do you believe that? In all things and in everything we can give thanks? Well, I think so. And I want us to, even in the tough times. I've selected to look at three different passages of Scripture as illustrations of how we might be able to give thanks in sorrow and in suffering and especially in our salvation. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Samuel. And in a moment, we're going to read chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. But I want to remind you of the story in which these two verses come. It actually begins in chapter 11. You may remember when the springtime comes and kings go out to war. David didn't go out to war this time. He stayed in his mansion. And while the army was engaged in battle, David was walking around on his balcony one night and looked down and saw, you remember the story, Bathsheba taking a bath. And she must have been, was beautiful. And David didn't know who she was, so he sent word and find out who this lady is, and then invite her to come and visit with me. And David and she committed adultery. And lo and behold, she conceived. When she told David that, it must have been several weeks later, he began to think, how can I handle this? So he sent word to Joab, his commander-in-chief, send Uriah, who is Bathsheba's husband, send him home from the war. And he did. When Uriah got there, David, I can just imagine... Tell me all about the war. How's the battle going? Never mentioned anything about Bathsheba. David expected Uriah to do what most men would do, go home and have supper and sleep with his wife. And he would think that the pregnancy was his. But Uriah was so faithful to David and the army that he laid out all night at David's door. The next morning when the servants saw that, they went and told David, Uriah didn't go home, he stayed here. David couldn't understand that. Why? Well, he invited Uriah in and asked him why. He said, well, I could not go home and enjoy the meal and fellowship with my wife and sleep with her knowing that my friends and the army were still engaged. David wondered, well, what am I going to do now? You know what he did? He said, Uriah, you stay another day and you come back tonight and we'll have supper together. And Uriah did. And he got him drunk, expecting him to go home to spend the night with his wife. Well, Uriah, even though he had drank too much, stayed at the door of David's. Well, the next day, David found out that he had not gone home and he didn't know what to do. So he wrote a letter, so a note to Joab and gave it to Uriah. This was a death note. The note basically said, get involved in a battle and, and, and get intense in that and get close to the enemy and then put Uriah in the very front of the army and then you withdraw from him and he'll be killed. Exactly that happened. Joab sent word to David and told him everything about the war and how difficult it was and the losses that they had had. And then he said, be sure and tell David, Uriah is also dead. Well, after the days of mourning passed, Bathsheba became another wife of David and lived in the palace. But the Word of God says... The things that David did displeased the Lord. He sent a preacher, Nathan. Nathan came to David, and this is all in chapter 12. Nathan came and and he told a long story about uh, that would get David's attention. And finally he pointed his finger, I can just see him. David, you're the one who sinned. And David acknowledged that he fell down and... Worship God, he asked for forgiveness, he he confessed his sins. In fact, if you want to read the confession, that's Psalms 51. Nathan said to David, God has heard your prayer, has forgiven your sin, and you will not die because of it, but the child that you have fathered with Bathsheba will die. David began to pray that God would change his mind. In fact, the scripture says that David prayed seven days, fasted and prayed. He would not bathe, he would not eat, he would not shave. He was there praying on his face before God for seven days, asking God to not let that baby boy die. The servants of David were concerned about him because he was not eating or sleeping. He was just praying for seven days. The baby died at the end of seven days. The servants didn't know how in the world are we going to talk to David about this. If he was this upset when the child was sick, what's he going to do when he finds out He's dead. And David heard them whispering and asked, is the child dead? They said, yes. And David got up, cleaned himself, bathed and changed clothes and shaved and went to the sanctuary and worshiped God. This is all in chapter 12. He worshiped God and came back and asked for food and they fed him. And the, the, the servant said, we don't understand, David. What's going on? Why did you fast and pray on your face before God while he was sick? And now that he's dead, you, you're you back to normal. That's where these two verses come in. If you have your Bibles, it's chapter 12, verse Twenty-two, And he, that is David, said, While the child was alive, I fasted and prayed and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Listen to this. I shall go to him. But he shall not return to me. I believe that David tells us in his experience here that we can be thankful even in the days of sorrow. It's difficult to be thankful when death comes, it's hard for us to see how we're going to make it when mom or dad or a spouse passes away. When a dear friend or a brother or sister die, it's difficult if a child or a grandchild is no longer with us. There's this grief in us and sometimes we can't get over the sense of loss. But David reminds us that we can. If there's sin in your life, it's a good time to confess and repent and be rightly related to the Lord. You can know the joy of God's forgiveness and presence even in the midst of sorrow. David not only confessed and repented, but the scripture says he went to the Temple to the sanctuary and worshiped God. And then, when the child was gone, he realized the fact is he's not coming back. But that's not the end of the story. He's not coming back, but praise the Lord, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to heaven too. When you have a loved one who is a Christian passes away, it is so. Wonderful to know that one day we can be together again. I can hardly wait to see my mom again. And I have some dear friends, a sister and a brother that's already there. I've had so many friends. In fact, I've got more friends in heaven than I do on earth. It's amazing to me. But in 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 the truth of the matter is... There is a day coming, what a day it's going to be, we sing it sometimes, when the Lord takes us home and we are in that presence of the Lord and our loved ones who have gone on before us. Maybe you have suffered a time of sorrow. Maybe Thanksgiving is difficult because of the loss that you've had. I want to remind us that God is still God. He still cares about us. And he has promised us an eternity in a place called heaven that never has any problems there. Aren't you glad that we can be thankful and give thanks in sorrow? In the New Testament, in the book of Romans, if you turn there with me, Romans chapter 5 is a, a wonderful uh, book for me. I love it. Chapter 5 has five things in it in these first few verses about what faith can do. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And then he talks about access to the very throne. But I want you to look carefully at chapter 5, verse 3. Because this seems out of, out of place. Uh, Let me read it. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory. And that word glory there has the idea of celebration, of exalting, of uh, uh, rejoicing. We glory in, what does it say? In tribulations. The Greek word there is thalipsis, and it means the squeezing of, like the squeezing of grapes, or the grinding of wheat, or the or the pressure that's pressed on olives so that the olives will will produce their oil, Paul is saying we glory, we celebrate, we rejoice in tribulations, in the tholipsis, the crushing, because it produces perseverance. My favorite Greek word is hupomone. You've heard me say it before, haven't you? It means to bear up under a load. It means to be strong and steadfast. This word has the idea of, uh, uh, of being being solid. And Paul says that it is the, the tribulations, the pressures that come upon us that produce perseverance, faithfulness, unchangeable, unmovable, kind of person. And that produces character. Strong, good character. And character produces hope, which makes us not ashamed. Now let me ask you something. Would you like to have a life that is characterized by perseverance, character, and hope? Now listen, New Testament hope is not wishful thinking. It is confident expectation. Paul is saying that we, can, we do have those things because God allows our lives to be strengthened by the tribulations that we have to go through sometime. I don't like that. But that's God's plan. And so when we begin to give thanks, even in the midst of sorrows and struggles... God produces in us character, perseverance, strength. He gives us the assurance that things are going to be okay. Does that make sense? I have an idea that the Apostle Paul experienced much of that, which made him the greatest Christian in the first century. In fact, if you have your Bibles, in Second Corinthians... Chapter 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul writes these things about what he had experienced. And if you have that verse, I'm going to just skip over to uh, chapter 11 of Second Corinthians, uh, about verse 23 or 24. He says, "...in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often." From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked the night and the day I've been out in the deep. Journeys often... "...in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils uh, among the brethren, in weariness and toil, in dis, uh, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst in fasting often, in cold and in nakedness, and besides all these things, the care of the church daily." What is Paul saying? He's been through a lifetime of these things that he wrote about in in Romans chapter 5. The pressures of life. And through it all, Paul found that God was faithful. In fact, in the next chapter, chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh. He had seen this vision. In fact, he was carried up into the third heavens. And so that he wouldn't have pride, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. And he says, three times, I asked the Lord to remove that thorn. And God said, listen to this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is shown in weakness. And Paul came to understand that all the things that God had done in his life or allowed to come into his life was molding him to become the person of God that God wanted to be. So here is the application when tough times come. Have you ever had any difficult times? Have you experienced that? Give thanks because God is at work molding you to become the person that He wants you to be. Now to be honest, most of us when things happen that we don't like, We begin to ask questions. And we normally ask the wrong question. Why? Why me, Lord? Let me remind you that why questions rarely get good answers. We need to ask different kinds of questions. What questions? Or how questions? What are you teaching me, Lord, through this experience? How can... I respond to what you're doing in my life. Do you see the difference that makes? We begin to look for what God is doing in the difficulties that we're experiencing. Because God may be doing something in your life that will make you trust Him more or pray more deeply or involve yourself in the things of God. And God knows exactly what He's doing. Oh my If you could only see it from God's perspective, he may be looking down at you and me and saying, well, he needs to work on patience, so I'm going to put some things in his life. He may need to learn to trust in me, and so I'm going to allow these things to happen. Whatever you're going through, listen, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He knows how to handle it. He is omniscient. He knows everything going on. He is the God of love. And the God of love loves you enough that He allows you to experience those things that will help you to become who He wants you to be. So, when troubles come, when sorrows come, when struggles abound around you, Begin to look for good things. What is God doing in this? And how can I be better because of it? James chapter 1. James, the half brother of Jesus, says in verse 3, Count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of difficulties. The word translated there is, uh, is the word for testing or the word for temptation. And James is saying, through those things, if you learn to give joy, count it all joy when you fall into different kinds of testing, that's James chapter 1 verse 3, then you learn some things from God that God is able to help you. You learn the value of prayer. You learn the value of things in life. You learn the things that God wants you to learn. Your faith is strengthened. In fact, James says your faith is no longer like the waves that the wind blows to and fro. You're strong. So, give thanks. Give thanks. In sorrow and in suffering. And the third illustration is from 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles, open to 1 Peter chapter 1. And let me remind you that most people don't, or scholars don't agree when Peter wrote these words, but I believe they happened right after the great fire of Rome in A.D. 64. Were some of you there? No. A.D. 64, most people believe that Nero, the emperor of Rome, wanted to clean up the whole city, and so he allowed fire to burn, and it it destroyed many homes and other kinds of things. And in order to turn the attention away from himself, he began to blame the Christians. Why would he do that? Well, Christian doctrine was that we're not going to be... The world's not going to end in flood anymore. It's going to end in a fire. So it was natural for them to blame the Christians for the fire. And persecution broke out in a remarkable way. In fact, when Peter begins his first letter, it's to the dispersion, to those who have been scattered abroad because Christians have been run out of Rome because the persecution was so great. And Peter is writing to encourage them To be strong in their faith, even though they have been persecuted. And in chapter 1, he writes the most beautiful words. And he ends with, we can give thanks for what God has done in saving us. Let me read chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Now listen carefully. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You understand that? Peter is saying that we have a lot of problems. That you, 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 you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the very salvation of your souls I just love what Peter wrote he reminds Christians then and now that we're going to have some difficult days there will be suffering in our life But he also reminds us that God is with us, and he strengthens us. Our faith is purified through the difficulties, and we can look forward to our final redemption. I think the salvation here is both that God's going to save them from the trials they're going through, but ultimately we're going to spend an eternity with him in heaven. Just imagine what heaven is going to be like. We enjoy salvation here, right? Salvation here helps us to know our sins have been forgiven. It helps us to know that the Spirit of God lives within us and will never leave us nor forsake us. It means that we can have fellowship with God. Can you imagine I and you are actually invited to have fellowship with the Lord of glory, the one who spoke the world into existence and holds it all together. We have a relationship with God because of what God has done in salvation. But we also have fellowship with other people who have a like faith. And it's so important for you and me to enjoy that fellowship with one another. So I'm here as Peter's spokesman to say, Rejoice, give thanks for your salvation, and just think, heaven is going to be a perfect place, a place where there is no more trials and troubles and difficulties. No, it's a place of perfect peace forever and ever and ever. Heaven is going to be great. The end of our salvation, the end of our life, is the salvation of our souls. If we learn to express thanksgiving in all circumstances, our lives will be changed. The attitude of gratitude will affect every area of your life. Are you listening? If we learn to give thanks in every circumstance, as the Scripture has taught us, then our life will be completely changed. Your face, your personality, all about you will reflect your faith in God. So when tough times come, it's not a time to be sad. It's a time to rejoice. And to be happy because of who God is. Thanksgiving like that will lead to thanks living because our life will completely changed. I probably told you this story. I don't remember if I did or not. When I was pastor at First Baptist Church in Alito, Texas, a little town just west of Fort Worth, it was a growing town. It was unbelievable the growth not only in this town, but in the church. We I moved there in 1979 and the church had averaged 183 in Sunday school. And the year later, we averaged 283, grew 100 average attendance in Sunday school. It was amazing. We had a lot of young people. When you have a lot of people, you a lot of young people, you have a lot of children, babies. <laughs> we had a, most people call it baby dedication service. We had a, parent-child dedication service every year around Mother's Day like most churches do. There was a young couple who was about to have their first child and it was to be born in September. Naomi and Ken were excited about their new baby and I went to the hospital when he was born and she was so excited. We named him Joshua. Bible name Joshua. And then before I left she said, Brother Bow can We have a dedication service for Joshua next Sunday. And I said, Naomi, you know, we normally do that in May. Oh, she said, I just want to do it Sunday. I feel like I want to Sunday. Well, we had to do some things, get a certificate and Bibles and other things that we gave them. But Sunday morning, Naomi and Ken and Joshua came to the altar. And we prayed for them and dedicated them and the baby to the Lord. I don't remember if it was Sunday afternoon or Monday when little Joshua became sick. Very serious sick. She went to the pediatrician and they put him in Fort Worth Children's Hospital and things did not look good. The test came back that he had spinal meningitis and it was very serious. Probably on Wednesday or Thursday they called me in the office and said you might want to come to the hospital I'll never forget it. Went to the third floor of Fort Worth Children's Hospital and walked past the nurse's station. They just kind of shook their heads and went down the hall and gently knocked on the door and opened the door and saw the things that I never want to see. The little baby had died. The pediatrician was a woman and knew that they needed to have some closure. And so Naomi was sitting in a rocking chair holding that little dead baby. Ken was standing by her, and she was rocking, loving on that little infant. I'd not been there but just a minute or two and the nurse came in and said, "Look, we need to take the baby and clean him up and call him the funeral home." And I said, but but can we pray first And we joined our hearts and hands in prayer, and I prayed for them. This is what I want you to hear. Naomi looked up at me and she said, Brother Bo, it's okay. God has given me His peace. Oh, I wish that that was true of every circumstance in life. But when you go through the sorrows and the suffering, remember salvation and be able to give thanks in everything because... This is the will of God for us. Maybe today you're going through some tough times. I I don't know. Maybe there's some physical things or emotional things or financial things that you're going through. Listen to what Paul said to me and to you in everything. Did you hear the word? in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you. Difficult? You have to start practicing it. Look for the good because there will be good in everything because God is good and He wants us to enjoy the best that He has. And sometimes it's through suffering and sorrow that we find out the kind of God that we have. Isn't God good? Yes. It may be that you are here today and you don't know this Jesus that we've talked about and sung about. You don't know the God of redemption. I want to invite you to accept Him as your Savior. And if you have and you're going through some tough times and you'd like to pray or ask somebody to pray with you, our hymn of invitation will be for you to do just that. Let's bow together and pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. It has challenged me because it's difficult to to give thanks in everything. But Lord, I want to. In times of sorrow and of suffering help me to remember that you are faithful and you'll never leave nor forsake and if there's someone here today that needs to commit their life to you or to join hearts in prayer with someone else you have your way as we sing would you stand please and if you need to make a public commitment to Christ join me here at the front The Preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.